This podcast episode may contain language and depiction of suicide and eating disorders that some survivors or those in recovery may find upsetting. Please consider your triggers and well-being before listening to this episode. Hi, I'm Kara, and I'm here to change the conversations around mental health and eating disorders, bringing real-life stories of survivors, those in recovery, and my personal journey. It is estimated that one in five adults experience mental health illness. Suicide is the second leading cause of death among people aged 10 to 34. It is estimated that 8 million Americans have an eating disorder, 7 million women and 1 million men. Only one in 10 people with an eating disorder actually receive treatment. Eating disorders have the highest mortality rate of any mental illness. One person dies as a direct result of their eating disorder every 52 minutes, whether through medical complications or by suicide. This podcast will lead the way for having those hard conversations about mental health and eating disorders. This podcast will also focus on the healing properties of being in nature, which for me, completely changed my life. Thank you for joining me on today's episode of The Journey Podcast. I do talk about depression a lot as a permanent thing, something that you live with basically your whole life. But what about situational depression and anxiety? Today, I have a very special guest who is actually the first person to tell me that hearing my story was inspirational to her when she actually pushed me to start this podcast. So I'm really excited. Uh, Stephanie Joseph is here um, to talk about her journey with depression and anxiety from a situational aspect. Um, Stephanie will also be talking about generational black exhaustion. Stephanie, thank you so much for coming on today. Uh, me and Stephanie, <laughs> me and Stephanie went through a, um, a business mentor course and we just instantly connected as friends and kind of have been friends ever since. Um, so thank you so much for coming on today. I'm so excited. Thank you for having me and congratulations. I'm so excited about your podcast. Um, so the funny thing to tell you guys, me and Stephanie have actually never met in actual real life. Like, a, you know, like we've only, this is how we've only <laughs> ever met each other. So <laughs> this is what we're used to. Um, so <laughs> Stephanie actually made the big move from the U.S. to Mexico recently. Can you tell us a little about your journey? Yeah, this is very exciting. I, um, I saw a TikTok video last year, and I saw a woman that was a single mom, and she was traveling with her kids. And I was so inspired by this story because she had like a, a younger under one child and then two other kids. And I have four kids. So the idea of like taking your children and doing something as amazing as traveling to other cultures and countries, I was so inspired. And then she talked about how she relocated to Mary to Mexico. And it's just been like this amazing journey for her. Um, and then it just so happened that more and more of those types of videos came across my feed and I started researching and I had always wanted to move abroad. Like I knew I was going to leave the U.S. I wanted to travel. I needed to wait until my kids were all, you know, in college, out of school. And so it just seemed like the right time. And I started planning it out last year. And then I got in an accident last year and I had the accident at the end of the year where I got hit by the truck. And so I think that in my recovery, maybe I almost didn't do it, but something was really 
just everything was just sort of aligning and right. And um, it was a huge leap of faith. It was very terrifying, but it was something that I needed and wanted to do for me because I gave so much of myself to my kids and my family jobs. And I needed to do this for me. This was for me, about me and about my feelings and creating a new path and a new life of happiness. And and it really was terrifying because what does that look like? I didn't even know anymore. Um, so yeah, I just, I just leap. I remember we were talking like through this process um, when you were trying to like, you know, like, oh, it's two weeks away. Oh, it's one week away. <laughs> I just remember it being like, oh my God, this is, this is really happening. My life is so magical. I'm so in love with my life. And it is better than I ever even imagined or expected. That's amazing. That's I'm so happy for you. Um, you. So let's get let's get started. Um, I wanted to talk about. Can you talk about what situational depression and anxiety is? So I realized um, that I had this. I had it probably about mm, like 15 years ago or so, and I was in a really rough marriage. Um, We had met when I think I was like 20 or 21 and um, we were together for 16 years and we had a family, but the marriage started to go bad, maybe like year nine. And so I have, he's traveling. So this is, you know, this is kind of what happened. He's traveling for work. So he's on the road a lot. He's not home. And I'm raising four small kids by myself. And um, we, we have low, a low income. Um, I'm having no, you know, emotional support, no support as a spouse, no support with a partner. And I'm just very unhappy with my life. And then on top of that, you know, it was a narcissistic, abusive relationship, psychologically and emotionally. Um, financially controlling all of these things. So um, I realized that I was depressed and I also developed anxiety and panic attacks. So my panic attacks were really intense. Like I could barely like get out of the house to bring the kids to daycare. It was really, really difficult. And something I don't know that I've ever talked about is it was so bad that I used to dress the kids like I would bathe them and dress them the night before so that in the morning I could kind of, they were already dressed and ready to go to daycare they would just like brush their teeth wash their face and they ate breakfast at daycare because literally that was all I could do like I could and I would have panic attacks like on the way to dropping them off to daycare um so for a while, it did get really bad. I recognized that after I got divorced and I started healing. And I'm seven years out now from my divorce. But being, you know, I, I talk about, I wanted to talk about this because it's not always the fact that, well, you're just a depressed person and that's just how you're going to be for the rest of your life. We're 
we endure real traumas and real experiences that are sad and hard and difficult that we don't have the tools or the resources for. I did go to therapist crying and just in a really bad place. And she just wanted to put me on Ritalin. And I was like, that is not what's happening. I need help. I need tools. I need support. I need somebody to understand and validate. And maybe I needed someone to tell me to leave. I don't know. But it was like that during the last few years of the marriage because it was just hard. It was hard raising kids. It was hard being low income. It was hard there was a lot of infidelity and it caused me like health problems and health crisis. And, um, so, and, and I had a very bad miscarriage that was life threatening. So I had to get emergency surgery and I had to get blood transfusions. I really almost died. That was in 2010. So, um, the recovery back from this situation was just quite difficult So it was a difficult road, but I did it. And um, on the other side of that, when I left the marriage, when I was strong enough to leave the marriage and just say, I'm just going to be a single mom, I'll figure it out, but I need to choose myself. From the first day I left, like day one, everything in my life got better every single day. My emotional health, my spiritual health, my community, everything improved. And I realized that I was just in a really awful situation. And then since then, I have not had um, any, any, I've never had, I've had panic attack issues. You know, every once in a while, I get nervous or I get anxiety of something big, like before this podcast, anxiety, but you know, like it passes. And um, I've never been in a depressive state the way that I I was before where I just didn't want to get out of bed and I was eating and, you know, I've never been that way um, since. I've been very relieved and free since the, since leaving. Just the, like, you being able to be out of that situation, out of that relationship. And like, when we talk about situational depression, we're talking about it could be from a relationship. It can be from mm-hmm. your job. Um, yes. It could just be your your home life um, that's causing it. And once you step outside of that, things get better. Um, so um, how do you face the stigma around divorce and being a single mom? That was hard at first because when I left, it was like mm, 2012. And I did um, – my parents have been together for like 47 years. I had an aunt that had been married for 60 years. And they were telling me not to get divorced. And um, I was not getting a lot of support around, are you unhappy? You should leave. We're going to help you. It was, you have kids and how are you going to survive? Like, you can't get divorced. They came from a generation where marriage was like a transactional thing and it was about survival. So that's what they knew. And so that's why it took me even as long as it did for me to leave until finally I was just like, F it, screw it. I can't, I have to choose myself. I can't live like this anymore and I have to leave. So luckily I had a big community of uh, friends 
And um, in the city I grew, a city that where I was raising my kids, we had a good community. I had friends that were divorced. So I had like another mom and her kids were best friends with my kids. So she was like, I'll be your co-parent. I'll, I'll be your co-husband. I'll be, you know, and she would, she would come to me and um, it was quite difficult. I did not, I really struggled with the stigma of being like a single black mom. I never intended ever to be divorced and have a broken family. And my parents weren't divorced. And so it was quite difficult. And it's quite difficult having one income. And so eventually, you know, I accepted it and I got over it. It just became a decision that I made that was actually good for me and healthy for me. Now it's not like that anymore. I have a friend that got divorced and he's just like, he tells people like, Oh, I, I just got divorced. Like there's, I think the stigma is kind of disappearing. And so it's not so hard anymore. Yeah. I mean, just coming from, I'm also a divorced um, and I had that same thing. I was terrified that my, you know, like my support, my family was going to be like, my God, you're getting a divorce. Like everybody stays together, together no matter, no matter what. what. Um, and yes, no matter what. Um, and I, you know, I did the same thing. I had to make that choice for myself um, to get myself out of that situation. Um, so I, I understand that aspect of it. Obviously not being a single mom because <laughs> I don't have any kids. Um, but what do you think, like how has your divorce affected like your daily routine? I... The the thing about not being partnered up anymore is that I think you have more time for yourself. So then this whole concept of like self-care came around and this became a trend and like self-care equals self-love. And so I always look at the benefit um, of ha- not having a partner, even when the days that it was hard, because I can always choose myself. I can get up. I can meditate. I can sit there and oil pull. I'm not, I don't have to talk to anybody. I don't have to do anything for anybody. And so I have a whole routine. And even now when I think about dating, I'm like, I don't know, because like I have a whole thing going on with myself. Like you're dating yourself, you're loving yourself. I think it's a beautiful thing. We were not taught this. We didn't grow up being taught to choose ourselves, to love ourselves, to nurture ourselves. So this really has been a journey about like falling in love with myself, dating myself, loving myself. And it's been a very fulfilling, beautiful thing. And then I'm able to teach that to my children. Can you talk about some of the things that you do on a daily basis? Yeah, so I have a good routine right now. I'm loving this routine because I have a list. I made a grid and I have, I don't know, like 20 things on this list, but I don't, I'm not pressuring myself to do like, okay, this has to be done in the AM and this has to be done in the afternoon and this has to be done in the PM. Like I need to get this set. And that's what I used to do to myself. I was like, it, I used to really try to calendar myself like that. That did not work for me. So I made a grid and I said, these are like the 30, 20 things that I'm like hoping to like get done in a day. So I start off like I do tongue scraping, I do oil pulling, 
I do. Um, so while I'm oil pulling, because it's a 20 minute thing, I'm writing a, an appreciation letter to myself. I'm writing my affirmations. I'm writing my mantras for the day and I'm looking at my goals. Um, I have my workouts there. I have my like warm water with lime. I walk the dog. I do breath work. I meditate. I'm writing. So I just have this like, you know, long list. And so what's really beautiful about it is as I go throughout my day, I check things off. And so at the end of the day, <laughs> and then I feel great. I feel accomplished. I'm like, I can actually see visually that I did a lot of things that I wanted to do today and a lot of things for myself. Usually by the end of the night, there's always things that I haven't checked off, like don't use the phone after nine, stay off social media. I have never once been able to accomplish those, but I don't beat myself <laughs> up about it because I'm like, oh, well, look at all the other like 15 things I, I did today. Oh, yeah, exactly. I mean, I think it's uh, something that we both kind of learned in our business mentor class um, is keeping some sort of like schedule um, and not, like you said, not following it completely um, to the point where you like shame yourself for not getting something done. Um, so I love the grid aspect. That's very, very important. Um, so getting this stuff done, like, why is it so important for you, like, to get all of this self-care in mm. during the day? Really, um, as I started to do it, I really wanted to work on really, like, showing up and improving myself and accomplishing these goals that I had my, for myself, like being healthy um, losing weight, all these, you know, getting my writing done. Um, I didn't, I, you know, and when you work for yourself as a freelancer, you're the only one that keeps yourself accountable. The whole day could go and you've done nothing. And I didn't want to have days like that. And I'm the only one that's showing up for myself and saying, Hey, Steph, did you oil pull? Did you go for a walk today? Did you? no one else is behind me saying, make sure you ate, you make sure you eat, make sure you drink two liters of water. No one's doing that. So the list was like a way to remind myself and hold myself accountable so that I can feel like I'm accomplishing things. I'm, I'm meeting my goals. It's building trust within myself. It's building um, confidence within myself. I'm also seeing that I can be organized. I can set goals. I can achieve those little steps. And this is helping my self-esteem and my self-worth. And the more that I do these things, the more I'm loving myself. So I'm, I'm building up that self-esteem and the, the worth and the deserving. And you can't expect other people to take care of you or a partner if you don't take care of yourself. They're never going to take care of you the way that you take care of yourself. And so I want to go in 2023 saying, wow, I really deserve to be loved and cared for. Let me do that for myself. I'm not going to wait for somebody just going to do it for me because I deserve it. We all deserve it. Oh, I love that so much. That oh, that was so good. <laughs> she needs to go on to like a little billboard. <laughs> um, so I think this is a good time to transition. We're going to talk about the topic of black exhaustion. Can you talk about what it is and kind of how it's affected you? Black exhaustion is like a recent term, just like microaggression. When I was growing up, these words and these terms did not exist. And it's 
in the black community, you often have women at the center and the head of families. And so the women, and I've, I've witnessed this in my own family. I had an aunt and she died, passed away like in her sixties, very early. She worked extremely hard all her life. Life was always hard. She raised kids. She had a husband. She worked. Um, she, she would, she would come to this country. She was from the Caribbean and work for like six months to make money and then go back there. She was always cooking. She was cleaning. She was taking care of the community and the family. She was always taking care of a lot of people. And so historically we've had, um, I remember growing up just, there were always these statistics about black people dying earlier. And so what we have now discovered or what we now realize is that, and this is especially true for black women, is what ends up happening is you have the sort of intergenerational trauma that has been passed down through generations of slavery, Jim Crow, segregation, that continues to impact. It's in it's said with intergenerational trauma, it takes eight generations for a traumatic event to work through. The, the generation. So you have that and then you have the ongoing uh, systematic and discrimination and racism. It takes a physical and emotional toll on you dealing with that all, all the time. And then you intersect that with issues within the black community and, and uh, issues with men and the demands that are put on you with a family and with working and all the expectations. And so you, it's really just very quite an exhausting existence, really. It's also termed racial fatigue and the constant um, bombardment and the constant issues of, you know, violence and race. There's a term called, violence porn in the black community. And it's this term where we're constantly seeing these violent um, images in media, in the media, in the news. And there's constant violence against black people, police uh, in the communities. It's just kind. And so I got to the point where I just, I stopped consuming the news and I stopped consuming media or movies that had violence with black people, but you can't get away from it because it was on TikTok. There was always like a police brutality or a shooting or something. And so I, I'm glad there's a term for it to validate and describe what it's like existing like this. And now that I've left the country and I've moved abroad, I realize how exhausting it was to exist like that in the United States and in a country, there's so much racial tension and there's just issues everywhere you go on jobs, just everywhere you're going. And I don't experience that now, but and it's also like, um, you know, also like if you want to talk about wage disparity Women have traditionally gotten paid lower. Black women have gotten paid lower than their counterparts. The cost of living is very high. Cost of food, all of these things. Um, historically, healthcare has been really bad for Black people. 
And down here, I'm paying a third in rent of what I used to pay in New York. I have access to really, <laughs> I, have, I have, I have a pool. I have access to really healthy food. Um, I have access to really affordable health and healthcare down here is excellent. It is excellent. The dental care is excellent. And so um, it's not to say there's not, you know, it's, it's a little, it's a little slower here. They use, it's a cash-based society. So things are very different, but nothing can compare to the like relief that I feel in my like mental, emotionally, spiritual well-being, having done the move. (laughs) So awesome. I know that eventually your goal is to move to Thailand, correct? It was, but I'm thinking I'm going to plant roots here and get a house and and stay in Mexico. I'll probably have this as my base and then uh, travel elsewhere because my astrocartography chart told me that Thailand was a hard no. So... I was okay, like, oh, okay. so we're going to change it up. And, and, and they were very, they were right about my life in New York. They pinpointed my life and all my struggles. And, and I was like, well, do I really want to test this out? I think not. I'm really happy here. It's very magical. Many things are going well. Why not just, it's a beautiful place. Yeah. And why, why mess, mess that, that up? up? If you're happy. I can still travel. Yeah. I mess it up. Exactly. Exactly. I look so awesome. (laughs) So as we kind of start wrapping up, is there anything else you'd like our listeners to kind of know just about everything we've kind of talked about today? Well, sometimes what you're going through is because you're just very unhappy in your life and you're not in alignment with the things that call to your soul that make you happy. And once I transitioned to like writing as a freelance writer full-time and I started doing the thing that I absolutely loved and dreamed of my life just really turned around. So it's very important to like, listen to your soul calling. And I want to, one thing I said to my friend is I'll tell you what you win by not, by waiting and not acting on your dreams. And, and, you know, a lot of people get stuck in their jobs. They're like pension and I have to do this and I have to, cause this is what we've been taught, but it, they're, they're not happy. They're miserable and they're not living their fullest life. They're not living their dreams. The thing that you win is just a miserable life. You win nothing. There is nothing that you win. And then you get old enough and you have retirement and you are too old and sick to even enjoy your life. Cause you were just miserable for years. So you win nothing. So I would encourage everybody to um, take that leap and figure out what their dreams are, um, travel, leave. And I'm doing coaching if anybody wants help with that. I started to branch off and do coaching. And really, it just really is about choosing yourself and your happiness. That is the number one most important thing. You win nothing by not choosing yourself. Exactly, exactly. So Stephanie, where can they find you if they want to get a hold of you? I am on uh, TikTok and Instagram at Dream Text Media. And if you're interested in coaching or finding out about freelance writing or anything like that, if you want to read my work, I'm also on medium.com at Dream Text Media. You can also email me at dreamtext at outlook.com. 
I'm also on YouTube at Klove with Stephanie. So, and Twitter as well, Dream Text Media. So lots of places to find me. Reach out, say hi. Happy to talk to anybody, answer any questions. Yeah, especially about a big, you know, I think everybody's kind of hesitation about moving. I know so many people that want to move outside of the United States. Um, they're just like, they're so, there's so much fear there's so about much moving. Fear, and it's terrifying. It should never stop you from living your life and your happiness because if you experience something really amazing on the other side imagine if you never did that we can't stay stuck where we are so this is why I want to start helping people like um, hack their dream life and navigate their life because I'm now being introduced to I've met amazing people that travel like there's a whole community of people that travel regularly and have been all over the world and have these amazing lives and we all deserve that I'm also just so happy that you're doing so well and that I can just tell like you are beaming so Stephanie thank you so much for coming on today's episode and being so open about your journey the journey podcast is brought to you by Dr. April's Hollywood mobile vet craft nine hair design and a list of community backers, which you will see in the show notes. This podcast is produced and edited by Mahia TV and can be found on all major podcast platforms. You can support this podcast by liking this episode and subscribing to it. You can also support me by rating this podcast and following me on social media at the journey podcast. CY. Also, join me every week for a hike around the Los Angeles area. For more information on this episode, visit www.thejourneypodcastcy.com. Thank you for listening and supporting The Journey Podcast.